All right, really good. Really good to have you here. I want to look into the camera's eyes and your eyes. Try to do both at once and just welcome those that are here for the first time and also those that are taking in service online. Can we celebrate them? Just welcome them. All right, one more time. Can we celebrate them? Come on, come on. Come on. Here we go. There we go. All right. All right, listen, we're all about some golf, I guess, but, you know, no golf claps. All right, we've got to be all in. Hey, today, I'm, I'm excited to preach, but before I do, I've got a little funny. I apologize. This is, perhaps for you, the thorn in your flesh, as the Apostle Paul would uh, make mention of in the Scriptures. And if this is the thorn in your flesh, I thank you that you carry the fruit of the Holy Spirit everywhere you go with your patience and your fake laughs. All right, here's the, the joke of the day. Prepare yourself. Okay. I heard about this mother. One Sunday morning, she went into her son's bedroom and she said, Son, wake up. It's time to go to church. Typical. He kind of groaned, rolled over and said, No, Mom. I'm not going to church today. She said, What do you mean you're not going? Why not? He said, Mom, I'll give you two valid reasons, two good reasons. Number one, I don't like those people. And number two, they don't like me. She said, son, that's no excuse. I'll give you two better reasons why you should go. Number one, you're 59 years old. And number two, you're the pastor. All right. All right. All right, all right. Okay. We do have a sermon today. I hope will encourage you, <laughs> inspire you. I didn't make that joke up, by the way. Um, and I'm not 59 years old. <laughs> Just so you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's coming. I'm not afraid. It's coming. I'm preparing today to be strong. At 59, somebody, come on. There's a sermon there, but that's not today. Today is titled, Miracle in My House. Miracle in My House. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you can come over. Come on, just tell him. You can come over. Because there's a miracle in my house. All right, there's a miracle in my house. Listen, I want to dive right into the words of Scripture. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Um, 2 Kings and, and 1 Kings, it, it, it really chronicles, there's a book called Chronicles, and it's similar. It chronicles some incredible stories, some miraculous stories, some supernatural stories between God and the people of God. The story. Of God. It's unfolding at this point in history. Israel is growing in their understanding, the revelation of who God is. And at this time in particular, God is doing much of his work through the prophets. The prophets were people not totally dissimilar to the judges that you can read about in the book of Judges, but the prophets were considered, you ever heard the phrase, man of God, man of God? All right, the prophets were, in, in many respects, a, a, a man of God. They were pretty unique. 
They had some very uh, difficult callings at times. Some um, parts of their journey are definitely unattractive, I should say that. But nonetheless, they were a vessel that God used to communicate, to challenge, to encourage the people of God, to, in many cases, warn the people of God. Come on, sometimes you just need somebody in your life to say, turn to Jesus, else you're going to hell. That's not today's message, but you need those people in your life. Like, <laughs> that, that went over how I thought it would, you know what I mean? Well, good, I'm so glad you're here. Come on, turn to your neighbor. No, I'm kidding. Listen, but we believe that. We do believe that. We do believe that, but... But listen, you do need, you do, that, that, that's a little bit like the prophet's edge. Some of you just got so excited and said, man, come on, where? listen, uh, that's not today's message. It's truth, but the prophet had just, a, just a, a bit of an intensity. Think of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is one of the prophets you will find in, in the Second Testament, the fulfillment in the life of Jesus. And you, if you've watched The Chosen, which I love, John the Baptist, I mean, he's a little quirky. He's a little out there. Like, like you ask, you go to dinner with John the Baptist. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm going to stick with these locusts. And just to show I'm a little bougie, I'm going to drop some honey on top of him. And you're just like, I don't know about you, John. Well, what he would do is he would confront. He would confront areas that needed to be changed and challenged. Now, in these passages and in these stories, a lot of times the prophets would have... Um, um, in some ways, disciples. That you're familiar with Jesus and his disciples, a, a, a little bit like that. The prophets would serve, they would lead, they would begin to grab hold of the teachings, and in some ways, there was also a passing of anointing that would follow. And I say all that to say because it provides a little context for this story. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we're about to read a story of the prophet Elisha. He was, um, if you will, he started as an armor bearer of the armor bearer of a well-known prophet called Elijah. So this is the prophet now, Elisha. Don't you like how the Bible is like, wow, cool. Elisha, Elijah. All right, Saul, Paul, I'll stop. Here we are in 2 Kings chapter 4. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. So, if you will, the disciples. So, she was around Elisha. She had proximity to Elisha. But here's how it goes. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Well, then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her, son, her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. 
And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. Any way you cut it, that's a good story. That's an invitation style story. For some of you, I'm just going to challenge some preconceived notions you have about God with the story alone. But how this, I believe, would be appropriate for the people of God is that Israel, among all the nations, were led by a sovereign God who saw his people and wanted to live in relationship and communion with them. And a lady who's walking through a difficult season that went from difficult to really difficult to really, 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 really difficult. So much so that Amex called and they're coming over. And they're coming for her two sons. Now, some of you parents would be like, why did she pray for a miracle? What a blessing. <laughs> we have our prayer team available after service to just pray over you and deliver you from that. But The real sense I had in my spirit to encourage you, to assure you, to hopefully equip you in some ways today was to reassure your hearts that you are not helpless and it is not hopeless. You're not helpless. And whatever the it you're walking through, it's not hopeless. We serve a God who, as we sung so eloquently earlier. He's the same. He's the same. Now, the need, the situation, the circumstance may look a little different than what this lady's journeying through. But I felt encouraged to share with you this morning, there's a miracle in your house. There's a miracle in my house. So often, if you're anything like me, and these are appropriate prayers, but they're not the only prayers. Sometimes if you're anything like me, like you see the need, you know the answer, by golly God, get on it. And sometimes the miracle is outside your house. But sometimes the miracle is in your house. It's in my house. So really going to blow you away here with some deep thoughts. One, what's in your house? What's in your house? What's in your house? I think it's appropriate in our spiritual journey to ask the Lord to show us what's in our house. Many times, the first step in a miracle, a breakthrough, a promise coming to fruition is to position ourselves. Lord, Lord, what is in my house? You're familiar with the story of the talents. I don't want to jump into that story or obscure that story, but Jesus shared it as a parable of how the kingdom of God operates. One, two, and five talents were distributed. The person with one talent, he hid it for fear. And the second with two and five, they doubled it. 
They knew what was in their house. It's an appropriate way to think about our journey from time to time. What's in, what's in your house? It could get very easy in life, whether it be career, whether it be relationships, whether it be some significant relationships, sometimes a marriage. We begin to think, hey, grass is greener on the other side. My miracle is out there somewhere. We begin to take for granted and become familiar to the blessings, to the potential that we already have. I'm a firm believer that you have what you need for this leg of life's journey. Now, if you're anything like me, the comparison trap is going to get you. You get online, you're like, God, I need what they have for my journey. And God's like, they're different than you. What about your journey where you are? What's in your house? It seems like a small thought, but <laughs> 2 Kings 4.2, he just said, tell me, what do you have in the house? And I love this response. I mean, I just love the word of God. I love this response because the lady, she did what I do. Nothing. I ain't got a thing. No, 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 no. It's out there. Paul, come on, man. What, what, what good things are happening in your life? Nothing. I'm stuck in self-pity, and it's a party. And I'm taking Brandon Lake's song, Gratitude, making it ingratitude, somebody. And you, and you can get stuck if you're not careful. And God's like, no, 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 no. What's in your house? And I love the, just the authenticity of that lady and such a vulnerable. I don't want to make light. Could you imagine the desperate state that she's in? I don't want to make light of that. A very real, urgent trouble is on the horizon. Like it's in paper. The, the document is sent. Maybe a couple days earlier, the death certificate arrived from her local county. And she's in disappointment. And struggle. How many of you know the enemy has no problem if you're in disappointment and struggle? He can make us even more desperate in those times. But God will meet us in that space and comes along. And Elijah said, well, tell me, tell me, what is in your house? I, I, I have this quick thought. Many times there's a miracle. There's a miracle staring us right in the face. Have you heard of a painting called Christ Mocked? Good. Way to not answer. Okay, Christ. I'm going to take that as a no. Christ mocked is by a Florentine painter whose name I listened to a hundred times this morning so as not to butcher it, and I'm still probably going to butcher it. The Florentine painter, Chimubuai. was found in an elderly woman's house in a small town in 2019. She had kept the rare artwork, which she thought was a Greek religious icon, in her kitchen. The painting, which dates from 1280, went on to fetch almost 24.2 million euros at auction in October 2019, more than four times the pre-sale estimate. 
That would be nice, would it not? <laughs> we have a painting in our kitchen. I forget what it was, $500 or something, but it'd be pretty cool if we were accidentally hosting in our kitchen something worth $24.2 million. But I use the story for, some, for, for symbolic purposes. Sometimes we can't see the miracle because we refuse to see the masterpiece God has created. This woman, this woman, I love her boldness. I love she understood who she was and the permissions that were available to her. She was a son of the prophets. She was one of the disciples' spouses. As far as I know, she was owed nothing. And yet she knew who and whose she was. And so her desperate circumstance led her to call upon Elisha. But she valued her voice. You know one of the tactics of the enemy is to get you to devalue your voice. To walk in shame, to walk in guilt, to walk in condemnation. And so what should be a loud cry from within. We've gotten shy. Oh soul, don't get shy on me now. That resonates in places in my life. And don't confuse it with arrogance, but confidence is a good thing in the kingdom of God. And Elisha comes along and he just says, what's in your house? What's in your house? I was thinking about time, talent, treasure, ideas, connection, offering, sacrifice. So often, if you're anything like me, I will admit to you, so often we're looking outside and God has something on the inside. I remember hearing a story from Tommy Barnett, a pastor, evangelist, really trailblazer, in prior decades within the United States, an, an amazing man of God. And he started in his early years of ministry. He had a church, just a, just a small church. And he shares his disappointment and frustration at the denominational appointing of that church. He thought he had a lot more in him. Go figure, he did. But how many of you know the Lord prepares you in the secret hidden places? And he talks about how no matter how much he prayed, no matter how much he fasted, no matter how good he preached in his mind, that church was bent on not growing somebody. But he kept sensing in his spirit there was a miracle in the house. And the Lord opened, him, opened his eyes to a widow woman who... He had overlooked. And she told him how on Friday nights she would get on her knees and pray for an hour. Then she would get in her car and just follow the Spirit's leading and go share the gospel wherever she went. And so he made a house call and went and prayed with her one Friday night and just took it in. 
And that experience led to the next Friday night. And more people gathered for prayer. And then they just went out. And then the next night, and the next night. And lo and behold, there was a miracle in that house of the Lord. That she, did, she was doing something unorthodox, unprepared. And it started with a seed of an idea. And she was faithful to follow it through. And that sparked revival hit that entire town. I think it was either Ida, all the I states get a little interesting, but Idaho or Iowa. But the Lord used it and it changed his life. Began to recognize, God, I get so desperate to look outside to make something happen. Well, what about who's inside, so to speak? And I wonder what's in your house. Chances are, there's probably not a Renaissance painting hidden behind the walls. But I will tell you that as Paul the Apostle would write to the church in Ephesus, salvation's a gift, it's a gift of grace, no one should boast. We don't earn it. We don't strive towards it. But we are God's workmanship. One translation, we are God's masterpiece who He has predestined, predetermined to do good works. Second thought, God only needs a little to do a lot. Second Kings 4.2, your maidservant has nothing in the house. Love that. And then she says, but a jar of oil. That's it. That's all I got. Just a jar of oil. Reminds me of Matthew chapter 14, 17 through 21, a familiar passage, one of Jesus' most famous stories. Started with a school lunch. Some approximates over 20,000 people were fed. But the conversation didn't start on a high. The disciples started on a low. All we have are five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here. Then he had the people sit on the grass. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples. The disciples then gave the food to the congregation. They all ate their fill. They gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 were fed. It's incredible. It's incredible. Simple thought, God only needs a little to do a lot. Only needs a little to do a lot. Some of us, we've, we've, we've projected our obedience way down in the line when we feel like we have a lot. God, after I get that degree, I'll be ready to pray, to preach, to teach. God, after my circumstances turn around, then, you know what, then I'll give. After, hey, hey God, after X, Y, and Z, start where you are. Start with what you have. This message is a relational message. I'm not about to project on you all the things you got in your house. Everybody can say, thank God for that. But I know somewhere in the mix of life, whether it's tangible or the intangibles, I felt like God would come alongside and invite you to consider what's, it, what's in your house. What idea, what creative thought, 
What prayer did God give you? And by golly, you just stopped praying it after a week because you didn't see anything happen. Or what prayer did God give you and you saw five flasks full and thought, that's good enough, I'll stop. And God's like, no, we had a hundred more flasks to fill. My hope today is to expand us from meager possibilities into miracle possibilities. To take our eyes off of simply understanding the natural and to lift our eyes and to understand how close the heavens are. That God is a miracle working God. That He only needs a little to do a whole lot in the world around us, in the lives around us. Your maidservant, I got nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Hey, what do we got? I don't want to send the people away. What do we got? We brought them all out here. I'm giving them spiritual food, but come on, they need some physical food. What do we got? Well, Jesus, we got five loaves and two fish. Well, Jesus... You told me to write songs. I don't know the piano. I don't know. I don't know the guitar. You told me to help in kids. I don't like kids. You you told me to get plugged in, get committed, change the course of my future. But God, you know I don't like getting plugged in. I like isolating. You told me I don't like commitment. You know, I like to keep things loose. Just feel the breeze, baby. And God's like, you got a jar of oil in your house. What you doing with it? It's got a little prophetic edge to it, the sermon, okay? I, you know, little bit, little bit. But God can do a whole lot with our little bit. Here's the wild thing as well, because it's not just this story. It's our story. And sometimes well-intentioned people come alongside and begin to limit. Limit the layers and the levels that God is calling us into. Sometimes our doubt gets confirmed by the voice of two or three witnesses. And so it gets shut down. Sometimes a promise from God is so preposterous and so ridiculous that we have struggle trusting Sometimes the set of circumstances and the promise that he's leading us into are so wild beyond our imagination that we just, you know, we just casually go about our business saying, that's not going to happen. And then what's crazy is the devil didn't even have to get involved. He just used some good old-fashioned punks in your life. God only needs a little to do a lot. God only needs a little to do a lot. The enemy only needs a lie to do a lot. The enemy only needs one little lie to do a whole lot. God only needs a little to do a whole lot in your life. Don't buy into the lies of the enemy. Till God calls it over, it's not over. God says you're done, it's not done. So God says, go ahead, you know what, you've nagged me enough, just stop praying. 
Until he says it, don't stop praying. Don't stop fasting. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop carrying that promise. Well, what about the hurt? I get it. What about the pain? I get it. What about the earthquake events in my past? I get it. This lady had lost her husband. Her husband was doing the work of God. But she didn't carry an entitlement. She carried a humility and a passion. She was faithful to fulfill what the man of God said. And so what did he say? Go get the jar. God only needs a little to do a lot. But you still got to obey. So my third thought, obedience breaks through obstacles. For some of you, you have no problem dreaming. You have no problem coming up with a great idea. But a little bit like I talked about last week, commitment's your issue. Now, don't leave here saying, my pastor said I've got commitment issues. <laughs> I didn't say that. The Holy Spirit did. Don't try to blame me for something the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. Obedience breaks through obstacles. But here's the thing you need to know. Here's the thing you need to know. This is where it gets a little uncomfortable. You got to pour it out. You got to pour it out. You got to pour it out. Well, I have really good intentions of giving. Great. You got to give. No, I just like the feels. We, we don't walk into all that God's calling us into with good intentions, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, like we can hear something, we can get excited about something. And man, I'm so tired of being lonely. I see myself in community. Oh, it feels so right. It feels so good. Why don't you sign up for a life-giving small group? No, 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 no. No. Not at your church. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you just join a group? Here's a good thing. You don't like it? Guess what? April's coming. And you can just exit right out of that group. Can I tell you, sometimes obedience is the key from where we are to where the Lord's leading us to. Like God will do a little with a lot, but here's the kicker. You've got to give him your little. You've got to be faithful with your little. Do not despise small beginnings. Why would the word of God say that? Because people have a tendency to despise small beginnings. And God comes alongside with a word. <laughs> let, me, let me not leverage God on his behalf. Okay, The word comes alongside. And here's the phrase. Obedience always comes with a price. She poured it out. She sacrificed the last remaining portion of oil out. I'm going to say something. It makes me cringe a little bit. It may make you cringe a little bit. But I'm okay with that. Temporarily. Sometimes you got to sow seed for your need. I know, it's cringeworthy. I get it. I get it. I'm right there with you. Many times you got to sow seed for your need. You've got to be willing to sow seed. Now, seed isn't only and ever financial, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes it's texting somebody back. Sometimes it's showing up for a small group. Sometimes it's doing what is uncomfortable 
so we can step through and into the promises of God. I don't know, but I would propose to you the look on her face when Elisha said, I got an idea. Here, here it is. This is what I'm sensing. Hold on to that oil. Go collect all these vessels and then pour it out. Pour it out. God's going to take care of everything. But, but, but know this. You got to pour it out. She was probably like, listen, I know I'm a couple thousand years early, but, but can I put water in these? And you just turn them into oil? And Elisha's like, no, 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 no. That's coming. Not yet. You need to take your oil and pour it out. And we can follow in obedience because we understand that obedience, it breaks through obstacles. I grew up in a home where my parents lived by this, but they also uh, preached this to their kids. Well, Paul, what was the last thing God put on your heart? Did you do it? Well, I don't want to talk about that. Don't, look, don't hold me accountable. I just want a miracle. Well, well, Paul, I understand that, and, and we're going to pray for that. But did you hear anything from the Lord? I did, but I said I don't want to talk about it. Why you got to bring it up? And I can imagine sometimes in our own lives, it's good for us to think about from time to time, what was the last thing the Holy Spirit invited you and whispered to you? Well, God told me I need to forgive him. Okay, okay. Have you forgiven him? No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that in my family. Okay. Well, well, maybe, just a hypothetical here, maybe if you got some therapy, legitimate, if you got some therapy, and maybe if you uh, stepped into some spiritual disciplines, and maybe if you talked to the Holy Spirit about it, maybe those three things could happen, and then you could forgive him. What was the last area, the last region, the last invitation for the Lord? And then how about this? If he didn't tell you something else to do, don't do something else. Stay with what he told you to do. Your jar of oil, you pour it out, you walk in that obedience, and then you commit to that level of obedience. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And slowly but surely, progress is made into the promises of God. But we do need to hear that faith has feet. Faith has feet. You know the definition of insanity. Because you may have grown up in a home where they taught you the definition of insanity is to do the same things over and over again, anticipating different results. That can apply for our spiritual lives as well. Our faith must have feet. We must operate. We must pour out. We must give out, if you will. The oil must be poured out. And sometimes it's ridiculous. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Kelly and I have had several instances along the way We'll refrain from using examples for you to think I'm manipulating you in any way. But there have been times God, God has invited us to do something. And you know, your pastor, full of great faith, had said, no, that's silly. That's not a good idea. And then we'll flip-flop and be like, you know, I prayed about what you felt the Lord knows us to do. I think you're right. And she'll be like, no, 
I've eaten and slept since then. Trust me, that was a bad idea. And God, all the while, is saying, listen, I'm going to let you get there. And when you get there, you'll obey, and then it'll remove the obstacles. But I want to encourage you. I just want to, lastly, I'm done. We done. See? Told you. (laughs) Obedience always comes with a price. It's a good day to be in church, somebody. <laughs> it's a good day. There's always one. All right, all right. Obedience always comes with a price. She poured it out. Man, usually I can, I can stay the course, but I can't. We're done. You'll notice in this message, I'm not laying specifics on you. You're unique. Your leg of this journey is very unique. You'll also notice in this message, I didn't highlight a bunch of specifics from my life. Because I don't want to put a false yoke on you. I believe the Holy Spirit, and I believe His faithfulness to reveal to you where and what He's calling you to do and to pour out. My family and friends and my life has been influenced by great, strange, ridiculous nudges by the Holy Spirit. That with a little, God did a lot. And I don't even have permission to connect the dots I saw connected in that, so to speak, other than to say obedience breaks through obstacles. And I can testify to a little being done with a lot. And I want to encourage you. My prayer is that you would find your jar of oil this year. That you would find it. That you would pray. That you would fast. That you would get in community to encourage you. And that you wouldn't believe the lies of the enemy coming to limit you. That you would set your mind on Christ. And that you would walk in obedience. His word's true. Make no bones about it. Maybe all you do this week, maybe, maybe, All you do this week is 2 Kings chapter 4. Here I am, Lord. Speak to your servant. I'm listening. Here I am, Lord. Speak to your servant. I'm listening. I've had people give a little bit of money to somebody. So the Lord prompted them. I've had people um, share things, move things. Here's what's crazy. In that obedience, obstacles begin to move out of the way. And God knew a very real need that this lady had. Those creditors were coming to take the only family she had remaining. And hear this. That's not a natural answer. It's not a natural solution. But I can reassure you, it's not by mind. It's not by power. It'll be done by us following His Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word over our life that God you have called us you set us apart for such a time as this I pray God that as tempting as it is to look to the outside 
new job, a new career, a new area, a new name. The new is important and there are seasons for that. But God, I thank you that even now, where we are, with what we have, with what we bring to the table, so to speak, God, there's a miracle in my house. And Lord, I thank you that you're calling us to be faithful, committed, and full of faith for what you're doing. For some of us, God, it's valuing our voice again. That we can boldly come before your throne because of the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus that has washed away our sin. That way we can come as children before the King, God, and make our requests, bring before your needs. And we thank you, God, that every prayer is heard by you. You're faithful to me. Just with our heads bowed and our eye closed, there's a chance we have this frequently. Somebody comes to church and they thought they were just coming to check out a church and that's good. We love that. We welcome that. Please do more of that. But sometimes people are coming to a church because they want to get right with God. They don't even, they don't have all the answers. They don't have everything figured out. They just want to get right with God. And I want to let you know, despite what you've heard from your past or despite what religious circles you may have run in the past, scripture is very clear. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus and you'll be saved. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. And you want all the answers today? And he just wants to let you know, I'm enough for today. He will give you all the answers in time. And so if you came in today, I just want to make this moment available for you. I want to make this available for you to call upon the name of the Lord. So let's do that just right now. God, I call upon you. I want to be made right with you. And that's not accomplished through my good works. It's not accomplished by my good thoughts. It's not accomplished by my good days. It's the free gift of grace and salvation that has come through the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And I receive him now into my life. I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins. And I ask you, Lord, that you would take my present lead me into my future. Thank you, God. I call you Lord and Savior. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Grateful for you all. Thank you so much this morning for listening. Our prayers as a church are with you this week. I want to just encourage you to my left and to my right. I know I had some fun about it earlier, but to my left and to my right is our prayer team. If you came in today struggling, you came in today, you just need somebody to pray with you, to encourage you, to speak a word of life over you, please know that as we're dismissed, you can come forward and get prayer, okay? God bless. Have an awesome week. Invite a friend to church. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless.